Aloha, Penn Nation. What's up, folks? You're now tuned into yet another edition of BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. As always, I'm your host, Jay Kinch, and we're back for episode 101. As I mentioned in last week's episode, episode 100, that was a big milestone for us. Very important to me, very important to the team as well. So we do greatly appreciate all your continued support and love that you show us, guys. But we're back yet again. Episode 101. We've got a couple of awesome guests for you and some really fun conversations that I know you'll enjoy. But before we get into that, like I tell you guys each and every episode, you already know what's up. BJPenn.com forward slash MMA news. We are your premier source for all things mixed martial arts. From all the breaking news to the viral videos, the hot topics, the trendy discussions, everything in between, BJPenn.com forward slash MMA news. We truly do have you covered, Penn Nation. We are very proud to be the largest independently owned and operated MMA news site out there today. All of you guys make that possible, and we can't thank you enough. Make sure you follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Google+. Make sure you guys set up alerts so whenever news breaks, you get a notification, and you stay up to date on the sport that we all love in mixed martial arts. Also, make sure you guys follow the radio page, at Radio on Twitter, We'll let you guys know when a new episode is about to drop, keep you up to date on guests we have coming up, or even let you know of an awesome conversation we had with one of these fantastic athletes. Speaking of awesome conversations with some of the best athletes in the game, let's discuss who's going to be joining us for this episode. First up, to kick things off, we're joined by one championship Adam Waite title holder, the queen of one championship, and quite frankly, all of martial arts in Asia right now, the unstoppable. Angela Lee. First time having her on the show, it was an absolute pleasure to speak with her. Not only is she incredibly talented inside competition, but she's very personable, down to earth, a very lovable character in this sport of mixed martial arts, and without a doubt one of the most marketable figures as well. She is set to move up in weight and look to capture a second title with one championship at strawweight on November 6th in Singapore. We're going to break down the matchup discuss what this means for her legacy, and a whole lot more. As I said, first time having her on the show, I really enjoyed the conversation. I'm sure you guys will as well. Then to close things out, good friend of BJPenn.com and BJPenn.com radio, the real has returned, my friends. Gamepred himself, Jorge Masvidal, returns to the show following a 13-week appearance on a Latin reality TV show in competition. He was locked away from the world, had no communication with the outside world, had no idea what was going on with mixed martial arts. But he's out, he's back, he's looking to return to action. He offered to step in for Dustin Poirier against Nate Diaz at UFC 230 next month, just a few weeks away. Boy, that would have been one hell of a fight. I truly wish that that fight got made. It would have been a real treat for the fans. But we're going to recap his time on this reality show, talk about what the experience was like for him, discuss coming back to mixed martial arts, what he has in mind, the weight class he'd like to fight at, possible opponents. But regardless, at the end of the day, you'll hear it from the man himself. He's coming back to bring violence and law and order back to the sport. As I said on Twitter earlier this week, it's probably my favorite conversation I've had with Gamebred to date. I know you guys will enjoy it. So let's jump right into things. B 
BJPenn.com radio, the fighter's voice. I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Coming up first, to kick things off, the unstoppable Angela Lee. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome to the show someone who many believe is the future of women's mixed martial arts, the undefeated Adam Waite and defending title holder for one championship, the queen of the East, the unstoppable Angela Lee. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today, Angela. How is life in Hawaii this afternoon? Uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, it's going great, actually. Um, just in fight camp, came back from the gym this morning, just getting over a little cold, but I'm feeling great. I'm so excited for this fight. Oh, man, that's always a bummer, having a, having a sickness in the middle of fight camp. That's never fun. Yeah. Man, it's only natural, though. I feel like it happens every time. You know, you're training so hard, and and just falling sick comes naturally. Right, right. Now, listen, before we jump in, uh, jump into things here, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that you just got married over the summer, so congratulations on that, of course. I did, yeah. Thank you so much. Um, it's been awesome. You know, uh, my husband, he's also a fighter, so... You know, same lifestyle, he's the most supportive person I know, and uh, we're actually both getting ready for fights at the same time right now. Yeah, that's got to be very important, being able to share that kind of lifestyle with your partner. Otherwise, it'd probably be very difficult for someone to understand exactly what you're going through. Right, exactly. <laughs> very good, very good. Now, uh, a lot of people go to Hawaii for their honeymoon, but, you know, since you live there, it certainly saves some time on travel, right? <laughs> Um, we love it here. Honestly, um, I mean, he's from Brazil. I was born in Canada, and we've pretty much, like, been so many places across the world, but everywhere we traveled, we feel like Hawaii, uh, feels most like home for us, and, um, just the, you know, the way the people are, the, the beauty of the nature around you, it just, it feels so right. We're so blessed to be living here. Absolutely. It's certainly paradise, that is for sure. Now, obviously, that was a huge, huge moment, huge event for your life, but now we're just weeks away from another big event on November 9th in Singapore for One Heart of the Lion. Uh, first off, tell us how your training camp has been going so far, aside from having the cold. Um, you know what? This training camp has been, hands down, my best training camp um, You know, in, in my whole career, actually. Um, I've had more than enough time to get ready. We've been training specifically in so many different areas. We have a solid game plan. And uh, my weight descent is something that has been just, you know, above and beyond what all my other camps have been like. Uh, because I'm going to be fighting at 125 pounds instead of 115 pounds, um, that makes a huge difference for me. My body feels a lot more healthy, and it feels, like, strong, you know? It feels better than ever at this weight. Now, obviously, you know, having compete, having competed the majority of your career uh, at 115, moving up to 125, I know you're saying that, that you feel a lot more healthy, but was it a struggle for you to get to 115? Um, in the beginning, it was okay, but as I feel like as the years went by with more and more title defenses, it's gotten harder and harder um, you know, to stay at that weight, and I feel like, you know, I had pneumonia when I fought one time because I got so sick um, because of the, you know, I, I feel like it had a lot to do with the weight cut, with weight descent, and I just feel not 100% at that weight. I make that weight, but I don't feel like, 
you know, I have the power and the strength that I normally have when I'm training. So I think this move over is a good idea. I mean, who knows if I feel like I'm walking closer to 25 and I want to go back down and, and, you know, fight in both divisions and stay active in both divisions. That may be a possibility as well. Interesting. So uh, just to skip ahead here, you know, that was going to be one of my questions later on. Uh, you do not intend to go after both titles, defend them simultaneously. You are looking at, at this as a move up to 125 semi-permanently. Um, no, so actually, yeah, like this is the t- this is the goal that I'm heading right now. I'm going to take over the 125 belt and fight in this division, but I still want to be able to get my walking weight closer to 115 so it's not such a big uh drastic weight cut for okay, me okay. so i want to be able to to fight in both divisions right okay okay so getting back to training camp uh did you spend uh or rather do you spend the entire camp in hawaii now or do you plan to go to evolve in singapore to finish up your training um this whole fight camp has actually been um all based in hawaii um in the past, I've spent, uh, you know, a lot of fight camps at Evolve. They've helped me tremendously in many different areas with all the specialists there. Um, but, yeah, this fight camp, I wanted to stay primarily at home in one spot and just focus on the training. Okay, very good. Now, as we just discussed, you're set to move up and wait. Look to make history as the first female multiple weight world champ. Uh, tell us about the decision to move up. Uh, is this just another challenge for you to conquer, or is this about legacy for you? This is about the legacy. Um, you know, when I actually first got into the organization, um, of course, every fighter has big dreams for himself, herself. And one of my dreams was, one, to become a world champion, but not just to stop there, was to, you know, become a two-time, two-division um, world champion. And that's something that, you know, is going to be happening very soon, in just, a, in just a month's time. So I think that it's important, you know, I mean, everyone, once they reach the the highest level possible, they say, like, what's next? And, of course, it's maintaining that that unblemished record, um, destroying all my opponents each time I get in the ring. But also, I want to challenge myself to, you know, step up to the next division, to own that division. And I want to make sure that I'm known as the baddest female fighter, you know, in my time. Without a doubt, I mean, you're certainly well on your way to that, and like you said, this is another step in that direction, uh, but what can you tell us about your opponent, uh, Jing Nang? She's uh, very tough. Uh, how do you how do you think you guys match up stylistically? Um, yeah, I've watched a couple of her fights, and I've been keeping a close eye on her since she won the title. Um, her background is in boxing, so she's got heavy hands. She She's really aggressive when she gets in there, and she she tends to use a lot of power over her opponents. Um, I don't think she's fought anyone like me before. You know, um, the way I mix it up, all those um, very di- I'm very dynamic in all my ranges, and I don't think that she'll be able to keep up. I'm not scared of her strikes. I can stand in there and I can bang with her, but of course I'm going to take this um, to you know where I'm most comfortable, and I feel like I'm going to finish her real fast in the first round. Yeah, you know, you kind of answered my next question perfectly. Uh, she's got a lot of knockouts on her record. Carries very uh, plenty of power in her striking. 
so how do you plan to counter that? And it sounds to me like it's not going to be a concern for you, her power going into this one. Yeah, no, um, we prepared real good for this fight. We've been bringing in a lot of uh, well-rounded fighters, a lot of heavy hands, um, girls who can throw down, um, and we've been training for this. So I think that, you know, when I get in there, she leaves herself really exposed when she strikes because she throws everything into it. I think I'll be able to close the distance pretty quick, take her down and sub her or pound her out on the ground. All right, now... Talking about moving up and, and, and taking a second title, I'd imagine that your champion colleagues that won, like uh, Ang Lan Song and Martin Nguyen, they served as some inspiration for you to chase the second title, correct? Uh, it's, you know, this is kind of like a trend that's been happening, but it's like everyone, every fighter, they have these goals and they want to, they just want more and more and they want to push themselves to see, you know, what's their maximum capacity. And um, that's kind of what I'm doing too. I'm just pushing myself to see how far I can go with this. Right, right. Obviously, the promotion has been very supportive of, of uh, champions looking to capture gold at multiple weight classes and Considering that you are the golden girl of one championship, it it seems like a no-brainer that another title would only further your stardom. That being said, though, do, do you feel like a loss in this attempt would de, uh, delegitimize your antimweight title? Um, first of all, I don't think that a loss is possible. You know, right. for this fight and this matchup, <laughs> I just don't think I don't see that happening. Um, you know. I think that I, I got nothing to lose, honestly. I think it's a win-win for me, and um, I'm going to seize this opportunity. I'm very grateful that one championship offered me the chance to fight the next weight class up and to be the possible two-division um, champ for a female category. So I'm definitely going to seize this opportunity. I'm not going to take it for granted. Now, speaking of promotion, everybody I talk with that's under contract with one has nothing but great things to say. Uh, we actually just partnered up with you guys, and, and I'm very excited to help build the brand in the Western world. Uh, what has your experience been like so far with them? And, you know, it must feel pretty cool to have started your pro career with such a well-respected promotion. Yeah, man, I can't say enough good things about one championship. Um, working with them, you know, everyone in the whole company, um, you know, from the people who, you know, run the media team, the photos and things, and the matchmakers and, and the head of the company, they're just amazing people to work with. You know, I think that they genuinely believe in, um, you know, uh, helping the fighters and, and doing what's best for them and seeing how far they can. They, it's, a, it's a great partnership, I'd say. That's the, that's the perfect word for it. Um and a lot of times what you see in one championship that's different than other organizations is that they do the whole backstory on the fighters. They see how um, this fighter can inspire and help to promote the sport in a positive way for millions of other people around the world. So it's truly an amazing thing. It's a unique thing that they're doing out, out here in Asia. Right, and, and I think that it's a, it's a beautiful thing to see a promotion. Obviously, in, in, the, in the Eastern market, you would expect this, but it's refreshing to see, uh, moving away from the trash talk, let's focus on the martial arts and the skills of these athletes. Right, exactly. I think at, at the end of the day, um, you know, that's that's what people truly, genuinely want to see and want to watch, and that's what they're going to follow, that's what they're going to want their kids to follow and, and see, and um, it's just a new trend that we're starting over here, bringing it back to the roots. 
Right. And I tell you, I talk about it all the time on the show. I, I miss the old way, the Marshall way, Bushido code. So it, it's very refreshing to me to see a, a promotion go after that like they are. Uh, but they obviously look at you like they're Ronda Rousey, you know, their golden child, if you will. Uh, you're an incredibly marketable in every aspect. However, that must come with a lot of added pressure to, to live up to expectations, right? Uh, you know, I had um, a little bit of trouble dealing with it in the beginning. It was a bit overwhelming, I, I must admit. Um, but I think that it's a great honor that is bestowed upon me. I think that um, it gives me a responsibility. You know, I can't just be like, yeah, you know, with all this fame and, and popularity and just run with it and, and get my head, like, you know, like, blown up, like, like I'm this huge superstar. Uh, I always try to keep myself level-headed, and that's why I keep my family so close to me. And I think the most important thing when you're in this kind of position is finding ways to give back to the community, and that's what really keeps me humbled. Um <clears throat> like always doing volunteer work and always making time for fans and that kind of stuff. Um, because at the end of the day, we're all human. Right. And, and that, that's a great uh, perspective to have on it. And, and just to go along with that, it is all about the fans at the end of the day. They, they are what makes your job possible, right? Exactly. You know, without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we love to do. And so always just got to be grateful for that. Now, now, speaking of this, uh, when I spoke with uh, On Long last week, he had talked about not being able to even walk the streets in Myanmar without being mobbed by fans. Uh, obviously, that's a that's a, um, that's a great honor for him, and, and and he loves that, and he wants to give back to his community, like you're exactly like you're saying. But I'm wondering, is that a similar situation when you return to Asia, when you go back to Singapore? Um, uh, you know, it's it's a crazy thing, like seeing seeing the posters all up on billboards, on, on taxis, and, and um, you know, people being recognized, um, people recognizing me in the streets. Um, I mean, I always try to be friendly and say hi, but for some reason, people just, I don't know if they don't want to come up to me and say hi because they're, like, nervous or intimidated, <laughs> but, like, I'll get messages later in my inbox saying, like, oh, I saw you at the food court, but I didn't want to say hi, and I'm always like, no, man, I'm, like, so friendly, just come up and say hi, like, you know? Um, <laughs> for me, it's, like, they're they kind of, like, intimidated. Maybe it's because I have this huge group of my family surrounding me everywhere I go. It's like, <laughs> I got a bunch of people with me. <laughs> right, you've got, you've got an entourage that that probably scares them off a bit, but I, I it, feels, it sounds to me like a lot of people are starstruck when they see you. Um, yeah, you know, I I got all the the jitters and the shaking hands and the sweaty palms. It's, <laughs> it's a crazy thing, man. It's like it's really cool. No, the people that I meet, they're mostly all very very sweet and kind, and you know. Um, for them, it's like they see me on the TV, they see me at a live event, and just to see me like in normal clothes as a normal girl is kind of like strange, I guess. <laughs> right, and 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 you've been you've been at this level level building this this stardom for quite some time now, but does it still all feel surreal to you at times? It does. You know, there are like many moments where I just take a step back and be like, "Wow, I can't believe like that this is the position I'm in." That like this is my life, like, it's really crazy, and I just gotta be thankful, you know, for everything that's happened, you know, like, days get tiring, you know, we get 
exhausted, but at the end of the day, you know, it's a great life and we just got to be thankful for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a championship mindset for sure. Uh, now, while one championship that continues to break into new Asian markets and put together some, some really impressive distribution deals in the East, unlike anything we've, we've seen in the West with mixed martial arts, uh, they still have yet to really break into the Western market with the Western fans. Uh, I know that's not the market that they're focusing on at the moment, but do you see a future where one championship becomes a real global force in mixed martial arts? Definitely. Um, you know, especially because um, a lot of me is, you know, from the Western side, you know, being in Hawaii, traveling to the States many times. Um, I was asking them, if they ever do come to the States, please come to Hawaii first. Because I think that they'd have a huge market there. I'm serious. But, um, you know, one championship, we're growing rapidly and we're slowly, slowly. It's like kind of like how I think of it, like risk. I mean, we're slowly branching out, you know, into other, other markets, new places. And eventually we will hit the United States. And when we do, it's going to be huge. And at that point, I think everyone's going to know who one championship is. And it's going to be global. That's a great analogy, the game of risk. Hopefully it doesn't take that long, though. Yeah. <laughs> that game takes right. forever, man. <laughs> so speaking of which, you know, obviously you, you would like to uh, to bring one to Hawaii in the near future, but do you feel as though that, that you could be one of those athletes that helps expand the reach to into the States and, and maybe Western Europe? Definitely. I'm pushing hard for it. You know, I'm whatever they want me to do, I'll do it. I'm, I'm all for that. I think that it would help the – the company tremendously i think they would gain like so many more new fans and i think that you know the people in the united states would receive one championship very well i agree i agree and and i think that uh just like we were talking about earlier with with the era of trash talk that we're in i think a lot of fans would really appreciate what you guys are all about in regards to to spreading the word of of martial arts and uh a quality product uh, just like that. But changing gears here for a moment, I'm wondering, who are you most impressed with when it comes to fellow female athletes on the other side of the globe? Who am I most impressed with? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you watch MMA athletes, female athletes from the UFC, Bellator, Invicta, who are you most impressed with? Oh, impressed. Um, yeah, man, uh, there's so many talented athletes out there, especially the female Miss Martial Artist. Um, just watched a recent UFC card, and, you know, the level of talent, it just keeps growing everywhere you look. Um, I have some friends in different organizations in the UFC, in Invicta, in Bellator, and I think that just to see uh, the level of respect that we get now, it's, uh, it's really it's something to be proud of. Um, some some other female athletes that I really admire, um, I think that Rose Namajunas in the UFC, um, not only is she very talented, um, mixed martial artist, but she's also, you know, very kind, looks like a very kind human being. I've never actually gotten the chance to meet her. Um, one of my uh, friends, someone that I've been able to train with before is uh, Misha Tate, and she just had her baby girl, and I think she's one of the coolest human beings. Um out there as well so I think that you know the talent out there it goes a while back but now we're finally being able to be credited for all our hard work and um I think that it's it's the coolest thing I'm so proud to be in this era right now 
Yeah, I'll tell you, I think anybody that actually follows the sport has known for a long, long time that that when the women step in there, it's always going to be a show, and you guys bring it. I mean, I know for the longest time there was something to prove, but that hasn't gone away. I mean, every every time the women step into the step into competition, it's always always a great show for the fans. Uh, but if the day comes that these big players, the, these big promotions and combat sports, they finally agree to co-promote, who would be a dream matchup for you? Oh, give me the champions! I I would love I would love if they co-promoted, and I think that would be such a treat for the fans. I think that it would really show, you know, the best of the best. You're taking the best of the best, and you got to see who comes out on top. I think it would be just an amazing opportunity, you know, for all the fighters to be able to really test themselves and and um, in the highest level of competition out there because there's so many different uh, global organizations with their own champions in it. You know, who knows if that day might come, but I think that, the fighters are always game. It's just the promoters. Right, right. And I think that uh, all of you athletes deserve that opportunity. So I, I hope that that day does does come sometime in the future, hopefully sooner rather than later. But all right, Angela, listen, you've been more than generous with your time. Just a couple more questions here for you. Getting back to November 9th, assuming you come out of the fight injury free, how quickly would you like to get back in there? And would you defend the Adam weight belt or would you just defend the strawweight title first? Uh, let's see. If this all plays out exactly how I want it to, um, you know, I'm going to come back home, enjoy Christmas and New Year's, the holidays with my family, and then I would like to jump back in there as soon as uh, March uh, in the New Year. Uh, I heard one championship is going to be having their first event in Japan, and I would love to be on that card. Uh, <clears throat> and let's see, I think that my next fight in the new year would most likely be to defend the uh, strawweight belt because I've defended the atomweight belt multiple times and I believe in defending your belt before you move on to the next division. So it's only right that once I win the title, I would defend it right after. Okay, that makes sense. And uh, in conclusion, tell us how you visualize this fight playing out and why all the fans out there, they need to make sure that they download the One Super app and tune into your fight. Oh, I think this fight, you're not going to want to blink. I think uh, it's going to be very exciting. Main event, uh, she's going to come out very strong, very aggressive, very um, going for the kill. And I'm going to come out there. I'm going to be focused. And, you know, I'm going to get in and out of her range. I'm going to be light on my feet. You're going to see me close that distance real fast, take her down. And you're going to see a real quick finish in the first round. But I guarantee you it's going to finish. All right. Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, Angela. I hope we can catch up again after a big win in Singapore. Uh, any shout-outs or sponsor plugs before we let you go? And where can everybody find you on social media? Uh, thank you guys so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Uh, you know, my sponsors who have stood by me, uh, my gym, United MMA in Hawaii, and Evolve MMA in Singapore, um, Best Mixed Martial Arts Company for Gear, Venom, and you can find me, I'm most active on my Instagram, Angela Lee MMA. Um, I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. Um, so, yeah, guys, tune in, show me some love. I really appreciate all of your support. And don't forget to watch November 9th. The one super app, that's for sure. Thanks again for the time. We're very much looking forward to the fight. Best of luck on November 9th, Angela. Thank you. Cheers. All right, have a good day.
As I said in the beginning of the show, incredibly talented, incredibly marketable, very humble and down to earth. First time speaking with her, and it was truly a pleasure. I look forward to the next time, and I certainly look forward to her fight coming up on November 9th. Make sure you guys download the One Super app. You can watch it for free anywhere you are, right on your mobile device or on your desktop computer as well. Again, that's the One Super app. But as we always do, my friends, let's keep it moving. Closing out this episode, our good friend, one of the realest guys in the business. You guys know you love him, and we sure do as well at BJPenn.com. Coming up next, Gamebred himself, Jorge Masvidal. Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show one of our all-time favorite guests, the number nine ranked welterweight in the UFC, and one of the realest guys in the business, from backyards to bright lights, Gamebred himself, Jorge Masvidal. Thanks as always for joining us today, Gamebred. What's the good word, man? Yeah, how you guys doing, man? Back in the real world, crazy. And interviewed already, it's nuts. <laughs> so listen, before we get into the, the easy money comeback, I wanted to catch up with you a bit on, on, on what you've been up to. I see you've become a very popular uh, Latin TV, reality TV star. Uh, what has that experience been like for you, man? Man, I was... Uh... I was nuts. One, I didn't think I'd get that last 13 weeks on the show. I didn't think I was going to get that far. And uh, and then I started thinking, oh, I'm going to win this thing, you know? Once I got in there, um, and, and the weeks started passing by, because it's, uh, it's a lot of factors that I've never done in my life. So I'm not good at, like, throwing objects, like balls or anything. I never played with that. I was always in the gym. I just have no, like, mastery of it, no, uh, no good... Uh, and that coordination. What's up, people? I'm going to call you in a little bit. I'm going to do an interview now. I'm great. I'm going to finish it off. I know. Yeah. And uh, my bad. Sorry about that. No worries. <laughs> yeah, man. I had, to, I had to get used to like a bunch of things. But it's dope, though, because um, it's a crazy experience, man. It's, uh, some things that suck, some things that are awesome. They uh, take your passport away, your phone away, your money. So it's like you're going to a boot camp because you have no access to the world whatsoever. They don't let you talk to, to nobody. You got to win prizes. It's your team against another team. And it goes everything from the housing where you stay at from a shit house to a nice mansion-type house or a big house with good food as opposed to staying at the shit house with shit food, you know? Right, so right. That, yeah, so that aspect is very uh, interesting. So, And I'm a fighter at the end of the day, so that wouldn't ever affect me. Like, the food could never – it would break a lot of people. The food – things like that were, like, on my side. You know, I didn't – at the core stuff, like obstacles – I never trained at that, so it, it was different. But the more I got to do it, I found out how fun it is and how much I loved it. And I, I fell in love with the experience, man. It was life-changing. So it sounds to me like it was like the, the the Latin TV equivalent of like Big Brother or something like that? No, no, no. It's like a, it's like a Dragon Beastmaster. Have you seen that? Is that kind of like a, that? That's kind of a spinoff off, off of uh, Ninja Warrior, right? Yeah, it's like a Ninja Warrior reality tv where the whole day we're in their their regiment and we're competing and it's one one team red team against the blue team and it's uh five guys five girls and you're just competing for prizes the whole time long and then uh there's a there's a grand finale prize and then there's many prizes leading up to it so it's it's dope you got like these parkour horses kind of you know the parkour people get offended when you call them that, but I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain it. Like it's it's just these courses that you run, that you jump, you you do everything from swinging off ropes, jumping in the pools, to jumping out, and and then it'll always finish with um 
where you got to throw objects. Like you have a baseball and you got to drop like five pins and you got five balls. And whoever does it the fastest would score that one point for their team. And that's all I did for 13 weeks is just compete in that. So it was it was a different type of competition, but it was very, uh, very like elite for me because I'm going up against uh, gymnast Olympians, parkour dudes that have been doing this his whole life, the national rock climbing champion of Mexico, Phenon. Kid is like 19 years old, 20 years old when he broke the record. Wow. Complete Phenon. Yeah, and he's on he's on like the opposing team. So there's there's a lot of talent when it comes to that world on that side, you know? Right, well, it, that's interesting, though. That's interesting, though, because originally I thought it was just like a regular reality TV show, but in reality, it is right up your alley. It's athletics. Yeah, it's all athletics, and I'm competing against guys that have, like, a good uh, ground for that, you know, the, from the Olympic gymnasts to the parkour dudes that are that are ranked in the world at that. These guys got a, a considerable advantage when it right. comes to doing these obstacle courses, you know? And I think I'm pretty quick and stuff, like on a 400 or if it's if I'm lifting weights at the gym. But the speed's completely different compared to this. You know, you, you almost seem slow at first because these guys are like bullets, man. Wow. Wow. So not only was it an awesome experience, but you got to test yourself against some of the top athletes in, in the Latin world. Yeah, man. And it was six times a, a week we would play and anywhere from four or five times that you do the track, you know, in that day, sometimes you do it even more up to like 10 to 12 times. You could do it if you played a double that day. Wow. So it was, uh, it was real awesome just to compete like that and, and put myself in different mindsets. Like, let me see how I compete when I'm really mad. So I get myself really mad. Let me see how I compete. <laughs> yeah, man, that's all I would do was I was just running experiments to get the best possible me. You know, let me compete with absolutely no pressure because really there isn't no pressure in this. You know, if I win or lose this, I don't care. This is not me. I'm just here to have fun and, and rack up as many points as I can. So I would, I would do experiments like that all the time, you know, and, um, I had a ball, man, getting to find myself out. No TV, no coffee, no phones, no nothing. So it's a lot of just practice, 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 and then be by myself in the nature. So it was it was like a, a mind-blowing experience. Right, right, right. Like you said earlier, life-changing. Is that something you could see yourself doing again? Um, if the money was, like, beyond freaking right, you know, like crazy. <laughs> because, you know, the, the thing about my kid is I didn't think I was going to – my my uh and i gotta thank my manager abraham cowell that got me this because at first i didn't want to do it as soon as i heard reality tv i was like you like nah it doesn't sound like it's gonna be good but then he told me about the comp competition and and how the food is given out and things like that i was like yeah, i might have some advantages mentally because these guys might might break they might get tired right i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be bothered if all they gave me was rice to eat all day so i signed up you know and then when i got there i was like man this is not what I expected at all. Wow. Tremendous, man. And, and the decision to get into that show was based on a lack of willing opponents to fight you, correct? Yes. That and, and their offer was very good. Me, win or lose, I was getting paid a, a very handsome fee weekly. And um, I was like, man, I can't get no fight. And I was saying, you know what? Maybe I'll go on the show for like two, three weeks, collect these checks because they're nice little checks, and then I'll come back. But then when I got in there, you know, after I got the, uh, out the first week, the competitive side got the better of me. And I was like, nah, I ain't going to let these dudes beat me, man. <laughs> and uh, there's an uh, elimination every Sunday. And I made it 13 weeks is uh, when I got eliminated out of there. I was doing pretty good, though, towards the end, you know? Holy shit. How many weeks for the for the winner? Uh, probably, like, I think two more weeks from, like, today already, and, and it ends. Wow. Well, so you were right in there, man. You were definitely competitive all the way through. Oh yeah, I was competitive all the way through, man. I had a couple shots that I uh, 
I got there with like zero aiming, but I left with decent aiming, you know. Towards the end, I had a couple shots that everybody knew that I, uh, I had a high chance of, of winning those those certain type of shots, and it was just a regular baseball throw. I would just practice it a lot more than everybody else, really. Wow, tremendous! Had, yeah, tremendous. So the last time we spoke, uh, you would hope to come back in August or September back to fighting. Obviously, that didn't work out, but you took the opportunity with the TV show. Uh, in the meantime, now it seems like you're ready to get back into MMA competition. You must be pretty hungry or, or even starving to return and show the world what you're all about, man. I would miss fighting so much because that is my favorite roller coaster. Because this, it, I don't know if you've seen the show, but it, it's like, uh, it's fun, man. It's like one of those Japanese crazy ass shows. The show's called Egg Taklone. And you go in there and I'm, I'm sliding off water slides that are like 25, 30 feet off what? the pool, you know, in the air. And then when you land into the pool, you got to learn the right way to land. If not, you'll fuck up your neck. I would see people leaving stretchers a lot in the beginning, you know, because people didn't know how to land. So people were getting fucked up. Because you could go, yeah, because you could go, you could do it like the sissy way and go in feet first. But it's going to it's gonna be a motherfucker to get out of the water and people are going to smoke you. You're going to get smoked, you know. You can't be that coward, dude. You got to go in there head first. And as soon as you hit the water, it's like you do a skid. You don't go in the water. You stay above the water and you start swimming right away. So you got to brace for impact. And if you're willing to take those chances, you get better, you get faster, you know. And obviously, you know, I was willing to take those chances. And it was it was a thrill. It was a ride. But nothing is as fun as fighting, man. As, as fun as that roller coaster over there was, I miss fighting every day of my life. That is my, my drug of choice, you know. Oh, that's definitely a testament to uh, to the type of combat athlete that you are, man. So you offered to step in for Dustin Poirier against Nate Diaz at UFC 230 next month, just a few weeks away. I think the fans would have loved to see that matchup. Uh, give yeah. us your, give us your thoughts on that potential fight against Nate and and how you guys would have matched up stylistically. Um, man, I really wanted that fight, you know, just because I was like, man, I just gotta show I'm not in fight shape, like I'm not in fight specific shape. But I'm in pretty good running, swimming shape, you know, climbing shit, crazy things like that. I'm in good shape for that. So I just wanted to test myself more than anything. Just get straight in there and get right back into the mix with, with another great fighter. Somebody's going to come push the pace no matter what, you know. So it would have been a good test of, of wills. And um, obviously, I'm going to put the money on me, man, every time, bro. Of course, of course. I would have matched up very well, man. I would have put the money on me. I got a lot of respect for uh, Nate and Nick. Mainly because of the will. I don't think they, they don't have the biggest skill set in the game, but they probably got some of the most heart in the game, you know. You can't For beat sure. those guys. Yeah, you can't beat those guys with a stick, you know. They're just, you can take their leg off, you can break their arm, they're just going to keep coming. And that's a fight, right? Like, everybody was excited of just the rumor of that even happening. Like, man, you're going to put two guys in there that don't give a fuck about pain or fatigue and that are just going to throw the whole time? That's exciting, bro. That's fucking, I want to buy that fight. I would watch that one. I would pay good money for that fight. Hell yeah, man. That could, that could be a headliner in my opinion. But just that, like you were, just like you, be. just like you were saying. It has I, to be a headliner. <laughs> it has to be something big, man. Well, just like you were saying that, that, uh, the, the heart that Nick and Nate show when they compete, the same can be said for you, obviously. So definitely, man, yeah. I, I agree. Would have been a battle of will. Dogs, fighting dogs is, is what it is. You know, it would have been two fighting dogs just throwing down you know and that would have been that would have been that's always fun to see when you got game opponents that's always fun to see when you got a guy that you know it's a quitter already and you're like oh, as soon as it gets tough this guy will find a way to to quit himself out of there you're kind of not as ingested in that fight as as when you got two dogs that are gonna fucking look for blood the whole time absolutely absolutely i agree with you 100 percent there 
Now Dana had said that that Nate is removed from the card entirely. I'm wondering, did you did you and your management did you guys approach the UFC to step in on short notice? Did they shoot it down, or was Nate unwilling to take the fight uh, based on what you know? I don't know. Be, before I knew it, Dana pulled him out of the card, so we didn't even pursue anymore. You know, because obviously the dude they won her fight is not on the card no more. True. And I was only willing to take that short notice like that with with a game opponent for a big a big risk to reward type fight. You know. Right, right, absolutely. To be honest, man, it kind of reminded me a bit of uh, the situation with Dan Dan Henderson and John Jones from several years ago. Uh, Dan had pulled out. Chael Sonnen had already began to, uh, you know, try to hype the fight up. But Chael had known that Dan was injured before the news broke. How long have you known that Dustin uh, wasn't going to be able to make the fight? Oh, man, I literally just got released into society, bro. Like, literally, I was locked up away, you know, you know, prison-like thing, you know, where right, there's right. a 20-acre lot and there's 20 security guards and then there's people that are above those security guards to stay there and then there's people that have actual contact with the contestants. It's like they go out of their way. It's like Survivor and, I don't know, Ninja Warrior or something like that, you know? So I had no contact with the outside world. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. So I just found out, bro. So, so you just emerge into the world, see that Nate Diaz is available, and, and you put your name up for it. Yes, bro. The re- and no, I ain't really get a reintegration period either. I got to drive now. I got a phone. I got to reach into my own wallet. <laughs> right, buy shit. Right. It's crazy, bro. I got people coming up to me, talking to me. You're waiting it's for nuts, the guy bro. to bring you rice and shit. Yeah, it's nuts, man. I just want to fight. Right. Now, uh, what did you make of the idea of those guys fighting for a 165-pound title? Is that something that you think the sport needs? I mean, obviously, I would love it. I'd be a candidate for it. I could make that way. Yeah, I, I would love that, man. I could make 165 easy. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be something bad for me. I would love that. Yeah, obviously, I figured you'd be a prime candidate for that weight class. Uh, obviously, you can't get the fight with uh, with Nate for November 3rd. What's the next move, man? I know you uh, asked the Twitter world what the biggest fight you could get at uh, 155 pounds would be. What was the response to that? Um, I didn't really get too many, like names and stuff that are available you know i think 55 is as is, is well as 70 is kind of locked up a lot of stagnant movement and um i think paul felder asked to scrap if uh if that's the biggest name we can get and also i haven't touched down on the gym so i haven't we got to work out like specific cardio and things like that so i want to get to do that get an accurate assessment of where my weight's at exactly because I'm, I'm pretty light but without having done crazy cardio you know Right. So if I start doing a good amount of cardio, like an hour and a half a day, I want to see where my weight could get to. And then maybe I get 55 another chance, you know, and then uh, like some of the biggest names that there is there. Yeah, well, first off, uh, you touched on 55 there. That was something I wanted to get to in a second. But you mentioned Paul Felder. I know he had responded. He seemed to be down for the matchup. Uh, if that's the biggest name, like you said, that's a matchup that would interest you. Yeah, I'm, and I'm trying to get on the John Jones card, December 29th. Just date-wise, it's... It'll be a good time for me to get in the gym, sweat it out, you know, get a bunch of drilling in, get my timing back. And uh, I really haven't done any training of MMA whatsoever. I'm just raw. I'm just, uh, I'm like, do obstacle courses, you know? Right. I can't, I don't even know if I can, I don't know if I still got my jab. Is my jab right. still the fastest jab in MMA? I, don't, I gotta go refresh that, you know? I gotta hit the refresh button. So while I do that, I would want some time. December 29th would be perfect to then get in there and murk up whoever they put in front of me to just destroy somebody utterly. Right. You, def- you definitely need the time to get back in there for sure. Uh, but it's not like you've been sitting on the couch eating Cheetos this whole time either. 
Um, oh, no, no, no. Every day right. I'd be running. I'd be doing some type of athletic involvement. You know, so I'm in a good general conditioning. I'm not in, in like, specific conditioning. Though, right, you know? right, right. a lot of muscle as well. Of course, of course. So you mentioned 155. It sounds like the weight is down a little bit for you, but but tell us about the decision to move back down there. You, you've had success at both welterweight and lightweight. Uh, why make the move back to 155 now? Well, I always wanted to have the 155 belt no matter what. And once I took out the IVs and, and my weight was as high as it was, I was like, man, I'm just killing myself to get to the weight and not competing well. So I went up to 70. And um, the show for so long, Another thing that was good about the show, and, and the show's off uh, off the country. It's not in America. Right. So the food that they would serve us was, like, so much healthier and cleaner, man. I'm not even talking crap. Like, and it was just basic rice and beans that we'd get usually. And I was losing tremendous amount of weight sometimes without working out. Also, my, my calorie intake wasn't that big because I wasn't doing that much activities I do back home. So I would eat a lot less, and it was good quality food so i started shedding the weight i got as low as like 177 and that's without heavy heavy cardio right you know, so i'm still around like pretty light like 179 180 if now i can keep a good clean diet get food here that really doesn't have no herbs and fucking antibiotics and all that craziness dropping my weight down i would like to see how just low i can get natural yeah i was gonna say man i i I know you're a guy that likes to grub out and whatnot, so, I mean, it sounds to me like uh, having that clean diet on the show, that's something you kind of want to carry over and see if you can maintain 155. Yeah, it would be a, 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 be a tight stretch, but I, I think I could do it, you know? Right. If my calculations are right, I think I could do it and just give 55 another shot, you know? I mean, I know I got the spot at 70 always. I could always throw down at 70 kill fools, but I, I just want to see if I can still do it at 55 and, and go for the title what I've always wanted to do in my career, which was get the belt at that weight and at this weight. So how much of the decision was based on Kobe being the interim champ? Obviously, it makes sense for you to move down to 155, but you're still open to fighting at 170 if the right fight oh, gets no, offered. I'm, I'm super open to fighting at 70. It's just, it's it's more chances that I'm going to fight at 70. It's like a 70% chance I'm going to fight at 70, but the window for 55 has never been so big for me to go back down. Right. You know, right. it's never been that big. And then it just, uh, it's just like, man, I could do it. You know, I'm, I'm 30% inclined to find that 55 hours to get the right fight, the right timing. Right. So 70 is my home. Yeah. And you, you got to strike while the iron's hot on that. So, yeah. And I only want, you know, a fight at 55 that makes sense. A top 10 dude or, or, or something like that. You know, somebody close to it. I just don't want to drop down and fight like a, somebody just won the ultimate fighter show, some shit like that. Right. Right. I get right. It. Get a true test of of what the fifty five brings, and then if I could pass that test with flying colors, I drop down again, and then fight the next biggest name I could get my hands on. Yeah, man, and like I said earlier, with all your success at one fifty five, it would only make sense for you to get a top ten guy or or a good matchup. Uh, but speaking of the division, the top ten, there was a lot of drama this past weekend with uh, with Khabib and, and the Connor fight. Uh, of course, all the aftermath there. Most people feel like Khabib was justified going after Dylan Dennis. Uh, others like your your boy Colby, he thought that uh, Khabib sent the sport back twenty years with his antics. What do you think, man? I think you know, and um, I've been gone literally. Like I'm not selling you a, a a dream. I've been gone thirteen weeks that I have no access to phones, things like that. So I don't know 
what exactly was said between the two. I've just skimmed through you, right? And like what people say. True, and true. If, and if what people are, because I don't really know, I haven't done my homework on it, nor will I get to doing homework on it, because I got a million other things to do, rather than just go through the internet and see who called what names. <laughs> right, you know? of course. But of I course. did hear that, that Connor was uh, questioning Khabib's religion to some extent. Right? Or like he said comments about his religion. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. Like he, it actually happened, but I know that Khabib mentioned it, so I'm, I'm guessing it happened, you know? Of, yeah, it did. It did. As a matter of fact, uh, the, the first press conference that they did hyping up the fight, I know a lot of people were talking about uh, whatever trash talk, but for me, the underlying tone across the board was Connor took it to a to a place of religion. So uh, that was definitely and, the case. And what, what did Connor say? Oh no, man, you can't uh, like well, it was too crazy. Well, first off, first off, he offered Khabib a drink. Uh, you know, Muslims don't drink. And then uh, I don't, I don't know. For me, I don't, I don't remember Connor ever saying Jesus Christ, thanking the Lord, or anything like that. He made it a point to say, you know, thanking Jesus Christ and mentioning Jesus Christ many, many times during the uh, press conference. And then uh, I remember one of the. One of the uh, reporters had asked him uh, or said "Assalamu alaikum to Khabib. And then, you know, Connor kind of sarcastically said it to the guy as well. Uh, There was definitely a lot of jabs at the religion throughout the press conference there. Okay, well, those sound like jabs. I thought he said like, oh, your religion is. I thought he said something more like bold, you know. Um, I don't know. I don't think women, you know. Mom, you should never be talked about on on fighting children. If you have children, they should never be talked about. And your religion, come here. Your religion should never be talked about. You know, and uh, and those things get touched. Man, you dealing with with somebody that doesn't give a fuck. Well, then you can't get mad. You know, you, I I don't think you can condemn Khabib for what he did because he didn't start that shit. From what I've heard, and he just resolved it. Right. Right. You know, and I kind of feel the same way. Like if you, if, if we're gonna fight, we're gonna fight. There's not gonna be no problems before or after. But if you cross a certain line, man, every time I see you somewhere, I'm gonna fuck you up or try to. I see you at the supermarket, I'm gonna try to fuck you up if we got those type of problems. And I'm thinking Khabib and Connor got those type of problems. He threw a fucking uh, a metal railing through the bus. You know, I I can't blame Khabib for anything he did. He just he just got a chance to fuck them up then, and and he took it. Right. Right. It, it wasn't the best time to do it. <laughs> right. Was it the best <laughs> time to, to do it? No, but, you know, in the moment, the madness, maybe. I don't know if Dylan, because I've only seen, like, the clips of him jumping over the games up. I don't know if that dude Dylan leading up to the fight was talking hella shit to him, and then he was talking more shit to him after then, and then Khabib was like, fuck it, bro, it's on. You know? And you can't get mad at him for doing what he does. Be a fighter. Yeah, I saw something that this might be inaccurate, but I, I had read somewhere that, uh, Dylan started saying something about him being Muslim after after he tapped Connor. So obviously you provoked the guy who just got over this drama with with Connor. Now you're talking shit. I would have jumped the cage too. So yeah. But anyway, man. And so regardless, obviously you're looking at guys like that. Maybe get back to that title. Um, I'm looking like I need to restore order in the sport. Is what I'm gonna do. Law and order. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know, man. The last time we, we last time we spoke, you had said something to the effect of, like, "Hey, man, you know, trash talk and promotion is all good, but when the hell are we gonna get back to just scrapping?" You know? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm telling you. I'm here to let, bring down the law and order, good old fashioned ass whippings. No guns, no fucking Twitter wars. Just these fists up your fucking nostrils. Just ass whippings. Good old fashioned ass whippings. 
And I'm going to bring a whole new community of people in there that are going to appreciate that. They're not going to care so much for the talking. They're just going to want to see people being violent with an art form to it, you know? And that's what I'm going to try to do. I'm not saying I won't talk shit because somebody talks shit to me. I got a mouth too. I know how to use it. Right. But if people are cool, I'm cool, you know? Hell yeah, man. Get back to the purity of the sport. I I certainly miss it on, on many days, so... I agree with you, man. But listen, we've gone way over the, the, the time that I, I had expected here. Let, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, nothing set in stone for you yet. No contracts. But you're you're hoping for December 29th on that John Jones card. UFC's going to see this, and they're going to probably copy and paste it on other websites. And everybody's going to, after they see this, they're going to spread it like wildfire. We're trying to fight December 29th. I don't know whose life I'm going to change. But somebody's getting their life changed December 29th. I need to fight, man. I need to do it. It's it's been way too long, man. It's gonna be a year ready by December 29th since I fought. This is my longest layoff ever of UFC history. Jeez, it's already been a year, man. Yeah, bro. Wow. Come November is gonna be a year. Come December is gonna be a year and like some change. So I need to kick somebody's butt. Right. Hell yeah, man. Well, as always, we greatly appreciate the time. Uh, I know I'm very much looking forward to you get back, getting back in there. And, of course, everybody on the team at BJPenn.com is as well. Um, you're, are you at the point where the opponent doesn't matter nearly as much as, as the desire to get back in there and fight? Uh, I mean, obviously it matters. I want to test myself right off the gate. I want to get a big, tough name, you know, and I know a lot of other people are telling me maybe get somebody unranked, this and that, but that's not what I what I envision my comeback being. I, that's not what I envision I'd be doing when I get back to the sport that I love. I want to test myself. I want I want a good fight, you know. So I'm going to find that name. It's a top 10 dude. Maybe it's a dude that's not in the top 10, but brings a lot to the table. I'm going to take it. You know, I'm a gambler. I like the gamble. I like the I like the thrill, the adrenaline bumping. So I'm going to find out who's asking going to work soon. Awesome, man. All right, and uh, for all your fans out there that have supported you all the way during during your time away from the sport and, of course, your time on this uh, this reality show. I'm sorry, show. guys. I'm sorry. I'm going to apologize. I'm sorry, man. Now you motherfuckers miss me. I got millions of letters from my fans, but when are you going to come back? The real fans, the original ones that have been watching me since day one. Not when I got on the TV show jumping off buildings. But what's up to all my real fans that have been supporting me down forever? I'm sorry, man. I'm back, though. I'm back to doing what I do. So sorry. <laughs> and in conclusion, brother, anything you think we missed? Any shout outs, sponsor plugs? The floor is yours, Game Bread. Always give thanks to my biggest sponsor, God Almighty, for all these amazing journeys I've lived through. Thank American Top Team. They ain't kicked me out yet. I'm sure I owe them money. I owe them all types of fees. Valdino Hernandez, my coach, that's been my coach for for my whole life, basically. He's my, my father from the sports side of everything. Just glad to be back, man, in the real world. My children, craziness. Oh, and I'm also single, bro. I used to be married. I'm single as a dollar bill now, bro. No way, man. Did that happen while you were away at the at the show? Man, it happened right before the show, man. It was craziness, you know. So I'm just going to put that vibe out there as well, you know, because you <laughs> might see me running a fool these days. People need to know I'm, I'm fucking single as a dollar bill. So, yeah, it could be crazy, you know. Holy shit. Game bread's on the market. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, man. Again, always a pleasure. Uh, definitely looking forward to this uh, this return. Long time coming. Host slap season has returned. The comeback is... What? <laughs> you should take the words out of my mouth. <laughs> the comeback is nigh, my friend. Hopefully we yes, can catch sir. up when something gets announced. Greatly appreciate the time, brother. You have an awesome weekend. Thank you, bro. You too, man. All right, buddy. 
There you have it, Penn Nation. As I said earlier, the reel is back. And quite frankly, what a huge missed opportunity by the UFC to put together Gamebred and Nate Diaz in a fight that would have been absolutely insane that all the fans definitely would have tuned in for and been very excited to see. Two scrappers at their peak throwing down. You heard him talk about it. A couple of purebred fighting dogs throwing down in there. It would have been something awesome. But nonetheless, now we get to speculate and anticipate the return of Gamebred, who he's going to fight, when that will be. Hopefully, as he mentioned, December 29th on that New Year's Eve card with John Jones. I'm certainly on board for that. And quite frankly, any matchup that they give Gamebred, I'll be tuning in for. He always brings the heat and puts on a great show for the fans. And real quick, before we wrap it up, disclaimer, I think I may have said November 6th a couple times for Angela Lee's fight. I was incorrect. It's going to be November 9th in Singapore. That's the date for Angela's fight, not November 6th. But that's it for me, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode, Penn Nation. Again, we greatly appreciate all of your continued support. Be on the lookout for another episode dropping later this week. This is BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. As always, it's been a pleasure to be your host. I'm Jay Kinch. On behalf of the whole team, all the hardworking guys at BJPenn.com, big mahalo to our guests. Thank you all for tuning in. Until next time, my friends, we'll catch you on the flip side. Peace out, everybody. 